companies now are so worried about not being able to attract employees and not being able to retain employees. It's almost become a competitive environment in itself to become the the great place to work or to become the best place to work, to become the best employer. It's really, really important because to your point, companies are now really, really lucky to employ me, to employ you. It's absolutely flipped around from where it used to be. Welcome to the HR LND podcast, where we explore cutting edge HR trends and best practices with top leaders who are shaping the future of work. My name is Nick Day, and I'm founder of JGA Recruitment Group, a specialist HR search firm. I'm also a qualified executive coach and a recognized HR thought leader listed on Thinkers360. Together, we're going to dive into topics from diversity and inclusion to technology, learning curation, and employee experience to help you evolve your people and your development strategies. So whether you're a flourishing HR executive, a rising manager, or a seasoned CHRO who's driving transformation, this podcast is for you. So grab your coffee and let's play. Hello and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, and we are specialist HR recruiters. Now, if you are new to this show, please remember to click subscribe. If you are someone who's been listening to all the previous back episodes, then please remember to share this with your colleagues and your friends. And hopefully together, we can raise the profile of human resources globally. And today, I'm really excited. I'm joined by Liam McNeil, who is Vice President of Enterprise for EMEA at Workforce Management, HR and Service Delivery Solutions Provider, UKG. Maybe a brand you're already familiar with. Uh, We're going to get into that during the course of today's show. But to give you some background to Liam, he moved from Australia to the UK in 2018 and joined UKG in June of that same year. And he's responsible for enterprise sales in Europe, the Middle East and Africa. But prior to joining UKG, he also held senior positions at BP and SAP. And he possesses more than 20 years experience as a strategist and a senior executive in the field of human capital management. Now, he has an innate understanding of the strategic levers of workforce optimization across a diverse range of industries. And we're going to find out all about that during the course of today's show. But more importantly, he specializes in analyzing business models to see exactly how human capital management technology can best underpin an organization's value chain and, of course, then future-proof their workforces. With talent and retention a hot topic right now, and I should know as managing an HR recruitment firm here, We're seeing this in real time. There are a number of tough challenges for HR leaders to navigate. So today I'm going to ask Liam what leaders can do and what steps they can take to help meet the human capital needs of what is now a very much a multi-generational workforce. So without further ado, welcome Liam McNeil to the HR L&D podcast. How are you feeling today? Yeah, thanks, Nick. That was quite a mouthful of an introduction, isn't it? It's uh, That's probably what 20 odd years in the industry does to you. They often are on this show. I seem to have some really uh, experienced, incredible professionals who have achieved so much. And you are definitely in that vein of of great guests we've had on the show. I'm really excited to get into today's conversation. Before we do, though, let me ask you the same question I ask all of my guests, which is this. What do the words human resources mean to you? I've got a really simple answer, Nick. I think human resources means to me people. I've been around long enough, and in the introduction, you talked about human capital. My informative years were at SAP, so we went through a whole raft at SAP, a whole raft of different definitions of human resources and human capital. But what I really enjoy about where where the world is at today and where the workplaces are at today is that we're back to referring to human resources just as people. 
Great, a great place to start. We've seen that evolution, right? A lot of people now known as chief people officers instead of CHROs, and we're yeah. seeing some evolution in the world of, of people management in the way that they, they're defining their own industry, which is exciting. We're going to get into and that a little know, bit. We've, well, we've kind of pivoted from that workforce management world to encompass both with workforce management, another workforce, human resources, human capital yeah. management. So another term, workforce, we've kind of pivoted from workforce management because we've included our, some of our HR products from HR service delivery. So we focus on people operations. So again, it's nice. like, you know, focus back on the individual and back on the person. Absolutely right. Couldn't agree more. So let's just um, let's frame the conversation for today. Tell us a little bit more about your background. I said 20 years summarized there in a short introduction, but also how that links to the business you're now part of, because you're in the world of HR, you're in the world of workforce management solutions at UKG. Tell us a little about who UKG are and, uh, and, and what leads you to be on the show with me today. Yeah, so UKG, you're right. A lot of people either know the brand or may not have heard of, of the brand and the company. So UKG used to be Kronos and Ultimate. Um, and a few years ago now, we merged the two businesses to become the ultimate Kronos Group, UKG. From a Kronos perspective, very much focused on workforce management, uh, time and attendance, uh, rostering, scheduling, uh, and from an ultimate perspective, very much that North American human capital management solution, HR solutions. And in fact, with the amalgamation in North America, UKG is now the market leader in, in HR tech, specifically in, in North America. How do I fit in with all of that? Well, I've spent, like I said, 20 odd years. I think I've always been in HR. I think I did a, a few years at a go-kart track and then I just fell into, into, into HR. Um, I started off in payroll, uh, in payroll technologies, always on the technology side, and then moved into HR and moved into an advisory capacity. Realized that it wasn't good enough for me to be advising people about HR technology when I hadn't actually lived as an HR professional. So I stepped over and uh, did a few years at BP, working in the HR operations space, re reporting into the GM of uh, HR operations, and then turned back to uh, the technology side. Um, went back to Australia, um, was a managing partner in a group called Presence of IT, and subsequently the HR advi technology advisory group, subsequently acquired by Deloitte. Uh, and in a part of all that, I moved back to the UK uh, to run EMEA for uh, for Kronos. Wow, it's an exciting journey. Well, obviously, from your side, you get kind of a bird's eye view then of things happening at scale. And one of those, I guess, is in relation to the world of talent retention, hiring, yeah. some of the challenges that we come up with. Now, I see it from my side, dealing with multiple clients, speaking to HR directors about their challenges. And actually, for us, we surveyed our clients and 80% of HR directors came back and said that talent and retention at the moment was one of their biggest priorities. With that in mind, because you get that sort of scale view of it with all the clients you're supporting in relation to HR solutions, what are some of the challenges that UK businesses are facing with at the moment when it comes to, to harming more staff and how can we start to overcome them? It's an interesting one because having moved to the UK five years ago, I feel like I arrived just when all of the challenges happened at once. Yeah. Be that Brexit, COVID, got inflationary pressures. It's just everything seems to be happening all at once probably for the first time ever to have this amount of impacts. But one of the things that we're certainly seeing is how the workforce has shrunk. And that's probably the toughest challenges that UK businesses have at, have at the minute. Um, so our latest analysis on the UK work uh, marketplace and workforce is it's lost around a, a million people from the workforce. Primarily that's from changing demographics, be that from immigration policies and Brexit, 
what we're more seeing is that real shift in demographics of the aged workers uh, either retiring so it's the baby boomers turn to uh to step back and and enjoy their retirement or or just from an attrition in the workplace sometimes from ec- economic perspectives as well I feel like the, the pandemic and we you know the great resignation the great awakening a lot of people also yeah. just decided when they had that time out you know what i'm not sure if i want to go back or maybe they pivoted into new careers you mentioned some coming five years ago it was like the perfect storm it's almost like that storm's continue because we've now got the emergence of AI and chat GPT and, and roles being potentially changing and new prompt managers coming in, whereas previous manual roles have disappeared. What can businesses do then with such a changing in, in demographic of workforce, as you mentioned, to, to think outside the box potentially to fill those vacancies? Because we know as a recruitment agency here, talent is in short supply and it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, it, it is really tough. You know, I work with some of the some of Europe's largest employers, be that in retail, uh, logistics, in in services organisations. So these are companies that hire hundreds of thousands of employees, and every single one of them is faced with that exact challenge. They th- each of them have thousands of vacancies at any one time, um, and that really impacts productivity. It impacts culture. It impacts costs. So, so you're right. It is a it is a real problem at the minute. I think what we try and focus on, and certainly what employers can really focus on, it's going back to that that people perspective. It's looking at the individual and looking at the person. I think long gone are the days where companies can impose shift patterns and shift rosters and be really rigid in their work practices. Example that you just gave, I think during COVID, people got really used to being a bit more flexible with their working yeah. arrangement. People drifted into uh, into roles that give them more empowerment over what they can do, and maybe even having multiple roles. And of course, you know, you, you you've got the likes of Amazon and Uber and these type of companies that that really those practices are, are built into their uh, their their business model. So we're now working with companies and some of. Europe, some of the UK's leading players really have a focus on the person, the individual, and helping them having flexible working practices to work around what their issues are. So as an example, um, a person might determine the shifts that they prefer to do or the time that they would prefer to work in. Uh, they could determine who they would like to work with. Um, they could even put a preference who they may not like to work with. Now, none of these are set in stone. That's very much up to the organization, how harsh they want to, how harsh or how hard they want to really impose policies. But certainly giving the employer more flexibility about how they want to work, where they want to work and when they want to work is a huge um, benefit in trying to attract and retain employees across all the different categories of employees, but particularly sure. if you look at that that uh, more mature age worker demographic. Interesting because, you know, days gone by and we're talking about a, you know, a, a time that's gone, but you used to be hear people say, you're lucky you have a job. You know, there's yeah. really, now it's like everyone, it, it, it's, employees now have the choice, right? That's been the major shift I, that I've seen as a recruiter. Yeah. It's now much more about employers encouraging and trying to attract staff, working on things like the employee experience. With that in mind, what are some of the things you're seeing businesses do then to pivot, to be able to encourage employees coming in, whether that's financial changes, operational changes? What are some of the um, innovative ways, I guess, that you're seeing companies pivot to attract and improve that employee experience? 
Yeah, you know, I was really, really lucky recently um, to take one of the UK's largest employers, a, a very large supermarket chain, and I was really lucky to host them on a trip over to our corporate offices in in Boston. Um, wow. So I got I got to know the you know the head of labour operations and the head of the HR tech team there and head of change and transformation. And you know what? They were so so passionate about the care of their their colleagues, the people that work there. So even just that little change about these employers, it's not just about having policies in place. It's actually being really engaged in those policies. It's actually living and breathing those policies every day and showing from example how you should work together and and how you should care for each other. And I think if you're able to engender that type of culture, um, you know, a lot of that's around diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging, those sort of practices. If you really focus on that and it becomes deeply ingrained in your culture, then straight straight away you you've got a more engaging workplace. It's almost to the point that you know having again I get the benefit of speaking to um, competitive employers and I look at their different perspectives on it. This companies now are so worried about not being able to attract employees and not being able to retain employees. It's almost become a competitive environment in itself to become the the great place to work or to become the best place to work, to become the best employer. It's really, really important because, to your point, companies are now really, really lucky to employ me, to employ you. It's absolutely flipped around from where it used to be. But talking about that flip then, there's something that comes to mind for me, and you mentioned belonging, diversity, equity, and inclusion, key staples for HR strategists at the minute, things they've got to consider. Do you think that for many companies, they've gone too far one way? I was, was so focused on attracting the new wave of, of professional coming into the marketplace that it means that actually when potentially neglecting a very uh, uh, broad market space in relation to older workers who are very experienced, understand how the professional marketplace works, maybe they need a little bit more flexibility potentially or, or, or not. Yeah. But the world of work has changed. What about that demographic? What, what are, uh, Do you feel like that... It, some companies have pivoted too far, or I don't see. You read a lot of that in the press, don't you? Particularly from uh, press from from America. But no, I I don't think so. I don't think you can afford to. I think you know companies that that are really leading the field in this have an eye on both because it's equally as important to make sure you've got the right policies and practices and right culture to retain staff as well as to attract attract new staff. Um. So if you look at again uh, re- the retention. You've really got to focus on the right culture, and that, that could be everything from the type of employees you're bringing in, making sure that your recruitment policies and even the ads that, that, that you post, making sure that they don't have any sort of inherent bias. That's a very clear focus. And then once they're in, it's, again, that living, breathing policies and practices. So if you think of a, a work environment that perhaps may be promoting and managers, so you've got you know this young demographic coming through the the management ranks, and then you're also trying to attract and retain mature age workers. You know, that can cause real conflict if you've got yeah. you know bright young, competitive, and you know hungry manager, and they're having to manage a mature age workplace that perhaps want more flexibility, perhaps need a little bit more time, or or demand a little bit more time, or you know they're they're not willing to be told what to do because they have something to contribute themselves. Let, let me suggest a few things. They want to be led, they don't want to be managed. 
Yeah. So you have to make sure you've got the right education, the right training, the right leadership. But more than anything, you need to make sure that everybody is living and breathing these practices every single day. Talk a little bit more then in relation to, you mentioned the word culture, so workplace culture. How can businesses benefit from hiring staff across all the different age groups that we see? One thing that came to mind when you were talking then was the idea of, of experienced professionals being mentors. To the, and that, that's something that I know in the world that I work in. Again, a lot of experienced professionals in the world of HR and payroll and others saying, Nick, do you know mm. anyone who'd like to be mentored? I'd love to be a mentor for somebody. And that's one example that comes to mind for me. But you must see this at scale. What, what are some of the other benefits we can guess, get back in relation to workplace culture? So, Nick, what we're seeing both in our organization and with the companies that we work with, we can see that mature age workers tend to take less sick leave. We can see that mature age workers tend to have higher retention rates. We can see that mature age workers are definitely part of living and breathing that culture. So if you kind of add all those together and you're an HR, a leader in HR, you're able to see the the economic benefits of that or draw the dots between the economic benefits of that pretty easily. Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. Philip, tell me, what about the businesses you mentioned potentially in, in your last mature age workers typically stay with an employer for longer, right? Maybe it's because they, they, they don't fall for the glasses green and perhaps as much as we do when we first come into the world of work, maybe, I don't know. But are there the things that HR leaders that are listening to this right now can do to make sure that they are able to retain their experienced workforce, that, that they haven't got talent working out the door in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's really important to remember that the experience of a mature age worker differs greatly from company to company. We gave an, I gave an example earlier about you know, a leading UK supermarket chain that lives and breathes this every day. For the mature age worker in that organization, they go to work every day feeling that they're part of a team. They're able to collaborate. They're listened to. So if you look at policies and practices around those facets, I think that's what really focuses on, on the retention, uh, retention of employees. Then you look at how technology plays into that. So we focus on life work technology. Having technology that is easily accessible, is easily usable. So, for example, on on smartphone technologies where you can put in your flexible working arrangements, shifts that you would prefer to do, people you would prefer to work with. You're able to also include their preferences. For example, a shift swap. If If I continually shift a swap on a certain time at a certain date, if I'm able to have that automated, actually, would you prefer not to have that shift? Those sort of practices encourage mature age workers. In fact, most workers encourage them to be able to, um, to be able to have, be more engaged in the workplace, feel like they have something to say and that they're being listened to. Sure. I think, um, I'd be interested to get your take on this because a lot of this comes down to the employee experience, the idea of choice. When we have a choice, we feel more empowered, yeah. particularly as a worker. Loads of stuff coming into the workplace now, whether it's relation to, you know, 
innovative benefits offerings, pay slip uh, transparency and be able to work out what, where your pay has gone or different types of pension savings. You've got pay on demand that's coming into the UK. I know it's already very prevalent in other places, but the UK yeah. is still kind of an early adoption phase. And there's loads of other things coming on the side as well. Uh, Four-day weeks even now being discussed. What are the things that you're seeing at scale which are really starting to get adopted and seeing true value in relation to either attraction and or retention? Are there any innovations that you think are going to really take hold or that you're seeing some really strong results in? I would go back to that employee flexibility. The more flexibility in across every facet of a person's working life that you can that you can provide an employee, giving them the choice about what they want to do, I think that, that's where we're seeing the, the biggest uptake. Uh, another example I could give you there is, you know, we've, we're talking about flexibility. We've talked about the flexibility of shifts that you would prefer to do and people you prefer to work with. But as an but as an employee, imagine if I could choose where I wanted to work. So, for example, I went on holiday. Uh, you're going to test my English geography here, but I went up. I, I, I live in London, and I went up to Leeds for my for my summer holidays. I don't know why you go to Leeds for your summer holidays, but I went to Leeds for my summer holidays. But I could continue to work as I went through that. I wanted to pick up a couple of shifts. Being able to really easily choose the fact this is where I'm going, this is where I'm heading to. Are there any shifts available? That seamless movement. Yeah. I think that's something else that's getting really picked up. When you turn up at, at a new site or at, at a new store, a new location, being able to be welcomed when you get there, so you don't turn up, knock on the door, and it's a surprise that you're there to do a shift, but making sure that the, the management there, they know that you're coming, they're ready to receive you, they open the door for you, welcome and introduce you to the team. Perhaps you've already met the team online through a Teams chat. Being able to have all of those technologies at the same time you know, that's becoming more and more prevalent. And we're seeing a real uptick in that as well. Are you, are you seeing the uptick also transcend just UK borders? So, for example, I mean, in your own instance, you've relocated from Australia, yeah. you're recording this from Paris. Actually, for those that are struggling to locate talent, I know from our perspective as a recruiter, we started now with some clients, not all, and I'd say it's still a minority of clients. They're saying to us, look, we can't find that talent in London. We're happy for you to find that person in France or in Germany or wherever it might be. We've got a borderless workforce now. We've got the technology to Very much sort of so. take that on. Um, are you seeing more of that happen in, in your world as well? Yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of policies and practices have restricted us to be able to do that through maybe it's a financial setup. Maybe, um, you know, employees are hired into one cost center and not another cost center, one yeah. company and another company. So it's really hard for them to switch between site to site or country to country. And that's just crazy to think that we're restricting a company's ability to increase productivity or to spread experience or to increase engagement and employee experience because of constraints put on by legal entities or constraints put on by technologies or, or, or policies and practices. So we're seeing um, what we're seeing an uptick in is technologies removing away those boundaries which then enable employees to look at their global workplace, not just to get a global employee count, but to be able to find the right type of talent where they sit, um, yeah. be able to move the right project teams, to be able to plug holes in production lines, to be able to staff logistics gaps. Um, so we're absolutely seeing that employers, not just on the attraction side, but in terms of their global workforce, opening up those borders, be that within a country, crossing different 
brands, different companies, or as you rightly suggest, multinational companies moving people from country to country. Yeah, it's been a massive, massive shift. We're seeing. So I guess just to, just to round this up, really, I know we may, we may well cover the word flexibility again here, but I think it's important that we do so. From an HR leader, this into this at the minute, we know that unemployment rate is uh, sitting at record lows. I think last time I checked, about 3.6%. We know that job vacancies, because we're in that world, are at record highs. It's not a bad time to be in recruitment, but it's a challenging time to be in yeah. recruitment. <laughs> what, what are the, the key steps, if there are, I don't know, three, five, however many number you, you want to choose, but the key steps you would recommend an HR leader took now to help them meet the needs of, of what is now a very much a multi-generational workforce. In terms of covering that, that multi-generational workplace, I think, I think that we need to ensure we've got the right policies and practices in place. Very, very key and important from a diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging. I have the benefit of working with uh, Brian Reeves, who's our Chief uh, Belonging Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Officer, and Michael Bush, who's the CEO from Great Place to Work. And they've drilled into me over the past couple of years the elements you can bring in flexible working uh, arrangements, making sure that you've got bridge programs, you've got age-inclusive recruitment practices, you're providing opportunities for different groups of people to, to network together, um, uh, EEGs um, as, as they're defined, education and awareness programs. We've got leaders that are bought into those policies and those practices you mentioned earlier mentoring, making sure we've got mentoring programs, we've got support programs. I don't know if you've ever looked on online or at adverts for companies and perhaps it's all a bunch of young people or it's, it's all a bunch of, uh, you know, a, a one type of demographic. I think it's really important from a PR perspective, both internally and externally, that you're representing all the different groups and types of employees that you have or people that, that, that you hire so that from day one, you feel that you belong within that company. Belonging is probably the most important bit of DIMB. It's that word belonging. Uh, and to really focus on that, you, you then focus on choice. Yeah. If as an employee, as a person working for a company, if I believe I'm listened to and I've got a choice in what I do, I'm led and I'm not managed, then straight away I feel like I belong. And there's no better recruitment practice or policy than having a whole group of people that work for a company saying how great it is and I really feel like I belong. Totally agree. So we always say to our, our candidates who are going to interviews, there's a really great question to ask at the end of it, is to tell me why, as hiring manager, you think this is a great company to work for. Get them to tell the company back to you because if it is truly a great company, that'll be an instant response. I think it goes back to, as you say, belonging, choice, creating psychologically safe spaces for people to fly so they can belong and feel like they've been included. I mean, everything you said there is uh, is kind of actually recruitment 101 for what co companies need to be doing if they really yeah. want to retain the track their staff for the future. So I was very fortunate, Nick. Um, Aaron Ayn was the CEO uh, of Kronos when I joined the group before it became UKG. And Aaron lives and breathes that that belonging bit of DIMB before it was even a thing. He's been practicing this for, for, for decades. And I heard from people outside of Kronos what a, what a great company it is to work for. And, you know, having worked across large enterprise companies uh, throughout my career, sometimes I think, oh, you've gone to the kickoff and you've, you've drunk the Kool-Aid and you come back all pumped up. Um, so I was a little bit dubious. But as part of my interview process, Aaron interviewed me, Chris Todd interviewed me, and it became really obvious really quickly that it, that belonging piece 
was really true. And at UKG, it really does feel like you're part of a family. You do get listened to. Um, you do have a choice in, in what you do and where you want to work. And, and the reason that I joined UKG or Kronos at the time was because of that, was because everybody I met within UKG told me what a great place it was to work because they felt listened to, cared for, and they felt like they belonged. Yeah, and that's really important. I mean, I, I'm Aaron, you, you mentioned there, it's a great example where he's embodying what he actually actually believes from his core rather than what we put on a mission statement or just put some values out there and we're not living them. It sounds like you've got a yeah. brand. And actually, I know you do have a brand like that because I was at the Great Place to Work Awards this year. I was very fortunate that our company made the list, but I know that UKG did as well and you had a, a big group there at the awards. So I know it's something that you're very passionate about. So it's really good very to bring some of those it. ideas to yeah. the core. Last question before we open HR and Vault, which is some short, sharp questions, is this. is We're now sat at record lows, and we know in relation to unemployment, job vacancies are record high, which I mentioned. Where do you see the future going? Are we going to continue to reduce those numbers even more and vacancies go higher, or do you think there's a rebalancing to come? What, 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 crystal ball was in front of you now. What do you think the future is going to look like? I, I think we've got probably a decade of it being exactly like this. That demographic isn't changing. You know, More people are going to leave the, the workplace. Um, I know people are, are kind of, in fact, if all you read was about AI over the last two weeks, you'd be thinking disastrous thoughts. But AI is not going to impact the workplace or the workforce as quickly as what the doom mongers are saying. In fact, it's it's going to open up opportunities. So I think the next 10 years, we're going to, it's going to trend exactly the same way. We're going to see very low vacancies and, and a, a real issue with trying to fill those vacancies. You know, that war for talent trying to find the right people and retain the right people, it's it's only going to get more challenging. It's probably good news for me as a recruitment firm owner. Right, you're in the, you're in a good place, Nick. I am. <laughs> it does make it more challenging for us. We have to be more diverse in where we find our talent from, right? The, the old resources don't work in the same way they used to. We've got to be innovating just like every other business to, to make sure we meet those. In recruitment, it's a great place to be. I think if you're in education and training, that's also an awesome place to be. Sure. Yeah, no, fair. But listen, let's open HLND Vault. These are just three short, sharp questions for you. Opening the L&D vault. First one, if you could give one piece of advice to the world, it's quite a big one, uh, what would it be? Be more caring for the people around you. Perfect. Love that. More kindness. If you had the opportunity, what advice would you give to a younger you just starting out in this new world of work? Hey, it almost goes in my first one. Be a bit kinder to yourself. It's a <laughs> tough world out there when you're young and up and coming and you know really trying to be heard. We are, I see a lot of young people in the world today really pushing themselves hard. I think people sometimes need to take a little step back and breathe deeply and realize uh, realize that they do have a voice. Um, people will listen to them. Um, and just to be a little bit kinder to yourself. Yeah, that's great advice, right? We're seeing people give themselves a hard time, mental health issues on the rise. So and loneliness right. on the rise every, as well. Every, right? Everywhere, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. So last but not least, what is the one guiding principle behavior that you've seen in every great leader that you've worked with? I go back to Aaron Ayn, really lucky to work with Aaron, Chris Todd, people like Peter Hart. You know, they really care. These are leaders that, that when they talk to you, they listen. If there is an issue, they personally pick it up to ensure that it's resolved, no matter how big or small. These are inspirational leaders that really care. I like that, you know, it takes a small circle because I think that caring element has come through throughout the narrative of today's show, right? The ability to be kind, to be caring, to be empathetic. 
they are for me absolutely essential traits of modern leadership and what modern leaders and businesses need to embrace to be successful. So I think it's a nice place to finish the vault. To be fair, I couldn't yeah. agree with the can agree with you more. But listen, if people want to find out more about UKG, uh, where, where can we direct them? Absolutely online. So it's UKG.com. I think if you look in any HR leadership forum, you, you'll be hearing a lot from us about us. But equally, I'm more than happy for people to contact me. Super. And I'll make sure that I keep your LinkedIn profile available for anyone that wants to access you on LinkedIn. I'll also put your email address on there as well. And of course, if you are an HR or L&D professional, listening to this show and you need any support with an HR or L&D related vacancy, then do get in touch with myself or any of my wonderful team at jgarecruitment.com. There will, of course, be a link as well directly through to the UKG website in the show notes. If you want to find out more, go to the show notes, click on the link, and you can find out all about the business that we've been uh, been talking about today. And of course, you can find the LinkedIn profile link there as well. Just leaves me to say one huge thank you again to Liam and Neil for joining me today on the HR L&D podcast. It's been a fascinating chat about a multi-generational workforces, about talent, about retention, and about, well, caring more, shall we say, which I think has been fantastic. So thank you ever so much. Thanks, Nick. It's been great to be a part of your podcast. That's it for today's episode of the HR L&D podcast. I hope you found this discussion informative and thought-provoking and that it gave you actionable insights to help you drive your HR agenda forward. Please remember to subscribe to the show so you never miss a future episode. And I'd also love to hear from you. So if you enjoyed this show, please do leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback helps me to ensure I can continue to bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Oh, and don't forget to share this show with your colleagues and fellow HR leaders as well. The more we spread the word, the more we can grow our community of HR professionals who I know are all as dedicated to driving the future of work forward as I am. Thanks, of course, for tuning in. My name is Nick Gay. Please do look me up on LinkedIn and send me a connection request. It would be great to get connected. In the meantime, I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the HR L&D podcast real soon.